Hello Indian football enthusiasts. Uh, this is Injury Time and me Sandeep Menon hosting the show again. Uh, this is again the second part of the interview that we did with Pradim Reddy. I hope you enjoyed the first part. We are happy with the feedbacks that we are getting. I know uh, so uh, you know you are all busy and stuff like that but we are still very very thankful for the time that you have taken to give us the feedback. And uh, without wasting much time, let's get back into the part two of Pradim Reddy's interview and let us know how that goes as well. I hope you have fun. You obviously are in this football bubble and uh, there is a lot of talk about uh, 2026 World Cup and all these kind of things, which we will not get into because mm-hmm. it's too far-fetched. Yeah. But how much talent is there in India and in, com- and you've worked, you've been in Scotland, yeah. England and stuff, in comparison? Purely talent-wise, let's not talk of infrastructure now because that's another side of it. So I think we have to be honest. I mean, we we are where we are in in terms of football because of uh, because of where what's happened over the past um, couple of years. And obviously, we've improved in the last five six years. But let's not forget, whilst we've improved in the last five or six years, every other country footballing nation has also improved and it's how much have we move, improved relative to them that will determine whether we'll mm. qualify for these tournaments now talent wise yeah we've got some good young players coming through definitely you can see the quality of the youngsters coming through nowadays A it's a lot better than before and B you're getting more good young players coming through to give an example Five years ago when we signed Udanta, he was the best of that batch and not many other players from that particular batch have gone on to do as well as he has since then. And then the next couple of years, if you look at it, we had, for example, at BFC, Daniel, Zwalas, Nishu come out of that batch and I think Ashik was of the same batch. And then if you look, the following year was the Tapas, Jerry's, etc. So you're starting to see subsequent batches, a greater number of good young players coming through. So that's a positive sign. Uh, in terms of catching up to, forget about the Scotlands and England, I don't think we should focus on Europe. We should probably try and see where are we relative to the top Asian teams and then probably the uh, next level behind the Japans and Koreas, the next set of Asian teams. Like the Middle Eastern teams and, and the Vietnams and other teams which have also improved significantly. Yeah. I think that's where we should, that should be our benchmark. And once we start bridging that gap, then we can start challenging for continental competitions. How much of that is about uh, competitive games? Like you said, I, I League, ISL, you have less than 20 games, and that is. Half a season for uh, most of the... Half? Maybe if you, I think you're a Chelsea fan. Yeah. Uh, last night, Sari was commenting about yeah. 61 games. It's too 61 much. 61 games. That's three times. Three times. So, over the course of... And that's at the highest level we're talking yeah. about. So, at the highest level, our players are playing a third of the games that the top European teams are playing. Now, but that's just sort of an obvious problem. But if you look back... The bigger problem is at under 13 level, at under 12, under 13, all the way through to under 18, those six years, let's say, from under 12 to under 18, our kids are playing maybe 10 competitive matches a year, if that. 
which is nothing. And their kids are playing 20 to 30 competitive matches a year. So you multiply that by six, seven years, it's a difference of 200 versus, because we don't even have a league, we have a league at under 30, mm-hmm. at under 15, and at under 18. So even if you play 10 competitive matches in each of those years, it's only 30 matches you've played by the time you're under 18. Mm. Forget about the friendlies and everything, we're talking about competitive yeah. matches where the results, matter, results yeah. matter, goal difference matters, everything yeah. matters. And when that's the difference, that's why you see the difference getting bigger and bigger. At under 12 level, if we played against some of those teams, you'll always hear foreign coaches come and saying, oh, Indian players are very talented, you can see they're technically very good. Yeah, we're technically good. We've got a lot of the right attributes at these ages. But the lack of games starts to show as you get older and older and older. And we're playing catch-up. And you can never catch those games up. Because you can't... It's gone. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah, yeah. Those, yeah, those years are gone and you can't suddenly play 120 matches the following year. It's just not possible. No, no, exactly. So, uh, like, you, like we were talking about teams like Vietnam, Philippines, they're doing very well. And I think Vietnam has won the Asian Games uh, fourth place. Or mm-hmm. They've done well in the under-23s. They won the under-23 uh, revelation, thing, yeah. I think. Yeah. So, they have... There is a plan for the future. You can see the youngsters are getting better and better and better and they'll probably increase the mm-hmm. level of the national team. In India, when we look at it, it's quite uh, confusing. Primarily because, like you said, we don't know if there is enough matches. Uh, we... A lot of the times we don't know how they are scouting players. Uh, like Sahan, Samad apparently was in, in, in the Middle East before he came up. And another new guy has been signed by the Arrows, I forgot his name. I actually thought he was not an Indian. Mm-hmm. Before, someone in Twitter told me that he was. So yeah, like, I think yeah, Kerala Blasters signed another. Yeah, yeah. No, in, Indian Arrows? I think he's gone. Yeah, Blasters signed and loaned him to Arrows. Arrows yeah. Yeah. So, do you see a funnel like or a pipeline? in the works or is it just chaotic for you as well? It seems, I'd say the moment we don't, our planning for the future is not clear. It's, we're planning for the next tournament. So the under 15 team that's gone and played these couple of matches recently against the US and Slovenia, they're preparing for an AFC competition. And then you have an under 19 team that's going to be preparing for which Floyd was scouting for. They're going to prepare for the under-19 tournament, I think, later in November. But what's beyond that? I mean, we we have a, an Arrows team, and this is the criticism people have always raised about the Arrows program is, whilst it's a great platform for young, young Indian players to play in the I-League, get game time, which otherwise they wouldn't have got in if they were in I-League teams, because they don't get the opportunity but it's for me it's only 25 or 30 players that are being trained and that's far too little whereas if you had an under 23 league or under 21 league and you had 10 even if it's only 10 teams competing in that you have 30 players across 10 teams you have 300 players of that age group training every week playing every week training every day playing every week so you've got more opportunity to produce more young players better probably better young players because even if you have an under 21 league there's no reason why a player couldn't play in the under 21 league on, on Wednesday let's say and play in the I league on Saturday so it's not I'm saying that don't give the opportunity for young players to play in the I league no, let them play in the I league 
But if they're good enough, let them play. Like Man City play Phil Foden. Yeah. Uh, so if they're good enough, play them. But there needs to be an opportunity for everyone to play. And similarly, when you go to the younger age groups, the under the sub junior league now, as they're calling it, and the uh, junior league, it's too little, too late. You need to be playing matches all through the year and not just. It's almost a tournament format the way it is at the moment. Do you feel uh, so? I grew up in Kerala, so we used to the five tournaments, the mm-hmm. seven tournaments. A um, lot of the players from Kerala do play. Mm-hmm. Even uh, Anas recently went and played last year sure, or something. Yeah. So those are kind of dwindling down because of the. Uh, I, I guess we well, have a not, from, not from what I've seen. I think the sevens is still quite know, popular. You know, not in terms of popularity. The number of tournaments, like a few of the ones that I near my house have shut down mm-hmm. because. Whatever reason they don't want to raise the money, they don't think they can get the players, mm-hmm. all these kind of things. So you think that is a part of this, or just something that is just happening in culture, moving on? See, I think there was a time, and I think there was a bit of a conflict where the federation, I think Kerala FA, was against a lot of these uh, sevens tournaments. They felt sevens tournaments are killing um, development of eleven side players, and a lot of times people would use that as an argument to say Kerala used to produce because growing up. Where when I was here, you know, when you look at top Indian players, you know, all the names that I can remember, Satyan Vijay and Papachan, Joe Paul, all these were players who came from Kerala and they used to play for SPT and Kerala teams were known to be, Kerala police were known to be strong teams, Vijay. So, and then there was a decline and so people, the convenient thing to blame was, oh, everyone's playing sevens, they don't play, they don't want to play I-League because you can make more money in the sevens. Now, you're probably earning more money in the ISL, mm. so why would you play seven set? It's sometimes it's as simple as economics, mm. but at the same time, given our population, given the number of people who love football in Kerala and how many play football in Kerala, there's no reason why you can't do both. Yeah. There's enough players who can be sevens specialists. There's enough players who can focus more on the eleven side game. There's some who might want to be beach football. Mm. Look at countries like Brazil, Spain, etc. There are players who play futsal, players who play beach football, the players who play football. So why, there's no reason why you can't yeah. play, have players who play specialists in just like we have test cricketers and we have T20 cricketers. Yeah, so. it's, yeah it's, it's an interesting thing. I never thought about it like that, but yeah, I suppose so. Because most of these five and seven players have another job. They just yeah. come and play for exactly. the weekend. And, uh, and as a professional coach with an ISL team, you wouldn't want, like I wouldn't want Ashik in the off-season playing sevens because the risk of injury and... I'm sorry, they'll kick the crap out of you. (laughs) Exactly, absolutely. And we know what it's like over there. So when the grounds are hard, um, and there's not much rest between games, and it's just not worth it. Why risk your career with the national team, with the club team, and especially when you're on that upward trajectory for a sevens tournament? But at the same time, if it's organized by one of your local... Club people who supported you growing up, you feel you want to give back to your community. Mm-hmm. There is that temptation. So you can understand people playing in what called testimonial type yeah. games or exhibition games, but competitive sevens, as you said, is risky and uh, not worth it. And you can something you can do once you retire. Like now, maybe Anas can yeah look, look into it, yeah, look yeah. into those kind of things because it's it doesn't require as much fitness levels as eleven yeah. games. So it's something like that. Uh, so moving on to some lighter topics, right? just quick, quick, quick uh, sure. stuff. 
I'm going to give you a couple of names or ask you about certain players. Sure. You can give me what are the first things that come to your head. Uh, I'm from Kerala. So, I am Vijayan. What do you, when you think of I am Vijayan? You recently 50, he turned 50. So, uh, when you hear I am Vijayan, what do you think? That's probably one of the best uh, strikers that India's produced over the years. Um, I actually saw him play this last summer. You know, it was an exhibition game in, uh, in Goa. In, yeah. in Goa. And some of the touches, some of his um, the, the movement, he's obviously slowed down a lot, yeah. but it's, you know, the, the instincts don't go away and the touch is still there. And he was, he was, a, it was a great joy to watch. And it was an area where, unfortunately, I think maybe because of language and other issues, he wasn't given the opportunity to go and play abroad. Yeah. And I felt because of his physique, he could have probably in those days gone and played in the UK and those kind of leagues because he could have handled the physicality and he was a very good finisher yeah. it, my biggest regret is I never saw him live because when I was growing up uh, mm -hmm. SVT was playing over there there's not much tele telecast was there Tele but it's not the yeah. uh, and they didn't play much in Calicut so uh, that, that's where I'm from mm -hmm. so uh, it is a big regret that I didn't watch him I did watch Joe Paul and David so well, you should organize another testimonial game somewhere and get him to play. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if anybody's listening, they can uh, help bring that mm -hmm. one. Uh, Sunil, because we, I always think Vijayan and Sunil, that's two of the best ones. And Paijing is up there as well, but for me, these two are Definitely, yeah. up there. So uh, you worked with Sunil very closely. Yep. So what do you make of him? Sunil, I've seen Sunil over the years, and I think when... Sunil came back from his stints abroad what he he did was he picked up a lot of knowledge from training and working with top players at top clubs and he put that into practice over here and we largely we benefited from that at BFC and he benefited from the setup at BFC so he wanted to be the, the kind of player having seen what was done abroad and we had become that club which was Indian clubs didn't have this kind of uh, setups, and Sunil really applies himself every single day in training. He he stay he wants to stay back after training finishes and work on whether it's his penalties, whether it's free kicks, and so you see him curl those ones in for mm. India and for BFC those free kicks. A lot of times when it's, it's just that twenty yard line mm. away from the box, you get a free kick over there and almost say, ah, oh, this is Sunil territory. He's going to score, and the hard work pays off and he's even at this age he's one of the hardest working players that I've worked with actually probably the most hardest working player and that rubs off on to other players you see Udantas and issues so he's a BFC. big character for BFC isn't he and the younger boys watch him and they want to emulate him and he makes sure that they do that if you look at even if in the off season Sunil's maybe doing some TV work somewhere mm. he might be doing the TV work for a World Cup match in the evening mm. In the morning, he's in the gym, and he's working out, and he's following his program. So he's a true professional, and in this era now, where more and more players are becoming professional, you can see why he can still perform, and he's still. Most players will start to dwindle. Dwindle their, their you know, their draft will be starting to plateau or go down at that age, and he's continuing to go upwards, and that's because of the unseen work that he does. He does a lot of work, changes diet, changes the way he works out, and how he rest looks after his body a lot better and it's a good thing for younger players to learn from yeah I always I recently was talking to somebody and I 
you always I'm not comparing Sunil to any of these players. So yeah. you always look at world football now and say Messi is so much talent, Ronaldo's hard work. And that's generally how they're classified as two great players mm -hmm. reaching their two different things. You have Sunil here who from 18 to 28 was a lot of talent. Uh, he told me at the time when he went to uh, I think Cardiff yep. and uh, Chris Coleman told him that your phys physique is not good enough to play at this level and speed is not there uh, to be at that level. Mm -hmm. So his talent was, he did have a lot of talent and ball skills and technique and everything. And now you can see from 28 onwards since he came to BFC what the hard work can do in terms of Absolutely. fitness. Yeah. And he's just gone from strength to strength and you have an example like him who's played a hundred games for the national teams. Uh, who scored so many goals, important goals, always Absolutely. steps up in the grade, in the top, in, you know, when their team needs it. He's probably the one that you should be looking at because it's more of an attainable goal for Indian uh, Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of young players now, when they break into the national team, I mean, I've heard it from Ashik and a couple of other young boys at Pune who, when they went into the India camp, they come back and you look at them and they now, it's little things which you observe as a coach where because in ISL, players are in a five-star hotel, there's a buffet, they can pick and choose whatever they eat. You know, there's biryani on the table every day. Mm. But when they come back from these camps now, all of a sudden you'll watch out of the corner of your eye and you see whether it's Rohit Kumar or Ashik or Vishal, one of these boys, they're being very conscious about what they eat, when they eat. They're very conscious about their, uh, their workouts and making sure they get enough rest and these are things which have rubbed off from Sunil and a lot of them actually asked Sunil on, about his diet and they want to copy that mm. so you get players coming up to you and asking you like oh coach where can I get quinoa and stuff like this which <laughs> they just look at them like there's a guy who you know a few weeks ago was having biryani every day and now he wants to know where you can get beetroot and quinoa and, and all these things so it's it's good to see that that's that effect is rubbing off on the younger players and they're starting to get more professional and realize how important it is that you might be talented mm -hmm. but if you don't apply yourself for the hard work because if Sunil Chetri is willing to work that hard then you better be working twice as hard because he, he doesn't might, have to he, he he has a lot of talent yeah and you you need to if you want to match that then you have to do that best Indian coach best one that I've worked with or well let's say best Indian coach you work with and the best you think from India across the time that you've seen or at least in your memory or so I think it's it's a tough one there's a lot uh, when if you look at the I-League there's a there were a lot of good coaches that, they, who did well with limited resources uh, if you look at that sometimes you got to judge it because it's a difference between a coach who's worked with uh, Churchill Brothers and Mohan and a huge budget and coaches have had to work at a, an ISOL or a, other clubs and I think much as we've had our differences over the, the period of time I think Khalid did a great job first first of all at Mumbai because he kept them up, he kept them up every single year and the year he left they got relegated yeah. so that shows you how much he'd done at uh, Mumbai and obviously to win the, the league at, uh, in ISOL was, was a phenomenal achievement because you got to finish ahead of the likes of East Bengal, Mohan Bagan, BFC that season um, to win the league, and he did it. And I think subsequently, a lot of the time, coaches in the second division and uh, 
youth team coaches don't get enough credit because when you talk about best coaches you always think okay who won the league who won the cup and I think guys like Floyd and um, Bibiano Richard for me are these young coaches who've done a lot in terms of developing young players because football coaching is not just about winning trophies as I said it depends on your budgets of teams what foreigners you have etc sometimes and a bit of luck whereas developing players is something that's day in day out and you've got to do it and over the years you mentioned that I've signed a lot of good young players whether it's at La Jong, DSK, BFC someone produced those players so to give Odanta as an example Odanta worked for many years <coughs> under Richard at TFA so it's because of that knowledge that we set up the game to make sure that we could watch Odanta live and then we signed him but there was a lot of work that happened before that to get Odanta to that level and I think similarly Floyd's done very well with a lot of players we've had some of our boys go to arrows and come back as better players and I think if you look one step below the players who've come into Floyd's team this year in the arrows like Rohit Danus and others who've come in and helped elevate the arrows in the second half of the season were players that developed under Bibiano so I think these, a lot of these young coaches are doing a lot of good work but it's often unseen and un, unrecognised so every year when there's an awards for coach of the year it's mm. always you're given a form and you've got to name a coach from that league as opposed to it should be from why not look at the second division yeah. there's a lot of good players coming out of there and a lot of coaches who've got to work with very limited resources because in the ISL you have everything you have multiple coaching staff with mm. you you have fitness coaches you have two to three physios at times you've got every, everything at your disposal you're an analyst whereas in the second division a lot of times you are the analyst you are the mm. head coach and the assistant coach you are the you know you've got to wear two, two or three hats at the time so you've got to give credit to those coaches who do that and best foreign coach that you work with I think the best I've worked with is probably Ashley have to be up there because what uh, we achieved together, winning the league in the first season at BFC, the Cup the second season, the league again, uh, success, we got the team into the AFC Cup uh, quarterfinal stages mm -hmm. and it was built upon by Roca and Carlos. And, um, what we achieved in those three years, no one is unprecedented and no one's going to achieve that kind of success in India football. Uh, but at the same time, there's been a lot of good coaches who come in um, in terms of coaches I like to watch I think the coach at Chennai mm. Chennai City Nawaz Akbar Nawaz mm. really nice style of play um, pleasure to watch uh, it's very well on a transition yeah and um, I think this season they learn from their mistakes of last season I think FC Goa are a very mm. exciting team to watch um, and it's always as a challenge as well I, as a coach I enjoyed playing against Sergio's team mm. like, we've had managed to get two wins, lost two games against them. Overall, I think we've got a slightly better record against them. But it was, it's a challenge because it raises your game as a coach when you're playing against these coaches. And um, it's it's a good it's good to bring these coaches in. I think Roka and his, to see Roka's evolution, mm. like we saw him obviously in the first few games at BFC um, the season where they struggled in the I-League. And then to see them doing really well in Asia and in cup competitions. I think he, he's 
very good in the cup in knockout tournaments. Yeah, I he's think very, so. Yeah. He's very well suited for that and how he sets his team up. And I like the way Carlos had set the team up this season. Uh, they were fun to watch as well as solid defensively. And they were just a tough team to be, a tough team to beat. And they it was a cliche that was associated that they were a set piece team, and it wasn't true. They they didn't actually score that many from set pieces, and they were just very well organized. And I think uh, but those those are team coaches that sort of uh, stand out. Like when you were just saying, you spoke about like Bandavas, you spoke about Olivera uh, uh, also. How important this aesthetics to you? Because now everybody wants to play from the back. You want to do this, you want to do that. Uh, and you think about someone like Khalid Jamil, mm-hmm. who's probably one of the only or one of the rare coaches who can set up a dream for a draw. Sure. And win, and, and not win, mm-hmm. and get the draw. Because they came here for a point and that's what they're going to do. And so do you, as a coach, how important is aesthetics? So you like to play attractive football. You like to be known to play attractive football. I think most coaches would like like that. I think when I started off with La Jong, we used to play very attractive football and we won the second division. When we came into the I-League and tried to play the same way, we found it a little bit more difficult because of the quality of the opposition and the limited resources of the club. So sometimes you've got to be pragmatic. If you, if you have access to the best players, by all means, yes. But you're not always going to have that luxury. So I think young coaches should be cognizant of this. If you're, if you're playing to develop young players, then yes, you should be coaching them to build out of the back, to learn to play with the ball on the ground and learn to play good football. This is, I'm talking about developmental coaches, young youth coaches. When you get into the professional era, yes, you want, as I said, you want to play attractive football, but it's professional football. You've got to keep your job. If you're from a low-budget team, you don't have the best players in the country or the best foreigners, and you try and play that, and you lose a couple of games, you're going to lose your job. So you have to be a bit more pragmatic and make sure the first thing is you get points on the board. And that, that's crucial. And then I'll give an example. I thought another coach who impressed me this season was Dave Robertson at uh, Kashmir. Kashmir. Yeah. Now, people might not say it was great flowing football, but it was very, very effective. It was very good. The so people, Chennai, people Chennai, away, yeah. away. And people, all the time you talk about style of play, style of play is not necessarily just attacking mm. so yes it's built up from the back it looks good but a lot of time it looks suicidal as well mm. when you're trying to play out of the back with Katiman mm. it just looks daft you, you know you're going to concede a goal at any moment and that's what two seasons ago FC Goa were like whereas Real Kashmir knew that's not their strength mm. and they played to their strengths and they were very very difficult to beat you mm. couldn't break them down easily yeah. and they would hurt you from set pieces and they'd hurt you on the transition, so that would, you know it's 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 a tough team to play against, and you, as a coach, it challenges you. How do you break? How do you beat such teams? So it's they had a defender who was playing as a striker as well, uh, Robertson. Robertson yeah, Mason, Mason, Robertson, Mason yeah. is a versatile player. I yeah. think it's he started off at the back and they were quite solid, but they were having trouble scoring goals. So when they played him, moved him further into midfield, I think to start with. Yeah. <laughs> they got a little bit better and then they moved him further up uh, front and he scored a lot of he important, a lot of important goals, goals. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good, he's a good, good young player so. it'll be interesting for the father and son to be working together mm-hmm. try, I did try to speak to them while I was in Cali they, they were there to play Gokulam mm-hmm. 
unfortunately there was a strike hartal going on oh, okay. in kerala and just you can't get out if it's a hartal in kerala you know, they'll throw rocks at your car Kaan, so yeah. they're just not going to do it so we start on that uh, yeah it'll be interesting to see because they're both back at uh, kashmir despite yeah. offers from one of the big clubs yeah so uh, be curious to see how they do because they're going to i think they well, they've lost bilal so they've lost a key player and i know from speaking to dave that they're looking to looking for a replacement in that position and they're looking for other key players so it'd be interesting to see if he can probably coax a couple of boys from scotland to come over mm-hmm. and um, play that should be interesting to see how they they perform and again see if chennai can keep retain a lot of those players because they're going to lose everyone's cherry picking at Chennai City so yeah been interesting I league next season for sure okay uh, this is the last name I'm going to give you mm-hmm. and I ask him because I think he's a little misunderstood also Robin Singh mm-hmm. because for me as I as you see him as a player mm-hmm. he has everything yeah. he's deceptively fast for a guy that size mm-hmm. he's the guy that size true and uh, he's got a hammer of a left foot if he can get it on target it's almost always I remember watching uh, one of the matches where you were coaching in Pune and he missed a free header of the back post and he was anyway getting subbed off yeah. and you having conversation saying it's okay keep it next time we'll get it so uh, what do you make of him you played with you worked with him in two different teams yeah i think see robins when we signed him at uh, bfc initially we we knew robins not necessarily the most prolific striker he's not going to get you 10 15 goals a season uh, he's not as natural a finisher as sunil Danta. That's because Robin started off as a left back. Robin has converted from a left back, left winger into a centre forward by uh, control that Desmond Bulpin era of, and the way they played was very direct. They wanted to play it into Robin, him to flick it on or hold the ball up and bring others into the game. And what was not worked upon was the runs Robin should make. and what he needed to do to become a better center forward. So we worked on that over the years at BFC and you could see in patches Robin producing that needed score some crucial goals for us when we won the league yeah. in the first season and scored the winner for us in the Fed Cup when we won the Fed Cup against Dempo uh, the following season. So he scored crucial goals for us at BFC but he lacked the consistency. And After he left he joined FC Gore, Delhi Dynamos and you could see in patches Robin doing things well and then other times not not so well. And I felt after he left BFC some I came here to watch a game against uh, East Bengal which is he scored two two goals, two goals and he, in both the games for BFC against when Roko was coaching against uh, BFC Robin caused him a lot of problems. So he has the attributes to caused good defenders like one on John Johnson problems both in the air on the ground <coughs> as I said he's deceptively quick so i felt you just need to be a bit more well rounded this season i just like what we did with Sunil we made got Sunil playing out wide on the left rather than just centrally and it adds a bit more tools and a freezer uh, freeze him up as well because there's a more opportunity to come one on one against players as opposed to being matched up against two big central defenders and i think robin adapted very well to that and he's one of those players who he needs an arm around his shoulder and he performs better and i think you could see as the season grew that by giving him that uh, belief that keep plugging away we're going to give you opportunities and 
towards the end of the season, I think he scored four goals. He's a top Indian goal scorer for the club. And what was pleasing for me as well, I think he got four assists this season. <coughs> he didn't get red card. Yeah. He didn't get involved in any of the things. So it shows a maturity for him. And I think that comes with players as they get older. They realise, I'm coming to the end of my career. I need to start focusing on what I do best. I need to focus less on the things which are unimportant. And credit to Robin, what he does very well is, I think he gets the most stick amongst yeah, all absolutely. Indian players in so the league. Sumit is a close second. Probably, yeah. yeah. Both of them get a lot of stick, which is unfair in my opinion, because they're there for a reason. I mean, it's not Sumit Basi's fault that Constantine kept picking him in the national team, despite playing. I think he had I mean, more... What is he going to say? No, I'm not coming. Exactly. Somebody else deserves exactly. it. Exactly. I mean, I think there was a, st- a point at one stage where statistics... I think the stats were that he had played more minutes for the national team than he had played for his yeah. club. Or clubs, whether it was voting or Jump other clubs. Uh, Jump shit. But again, that's... I guess you said, it's not his fault. And similarly, Robin got criticism because he'd miss some, yeah. some chances and some sitters. But he's got himself in those positions and he's ahead of others because he's done something well in training. So a lot of fans often don't see that this guy might have been working really well in training and scoring a ton of goals in training, which is why he's got the nod over somebody else. And, you know, you forget Robin scored a fantastic goal with his right foot at the stadium right mm, behind yeah. us over here against Guam. Yeah. And that got us in mm. and got us, uh, you know, so got us a win over there. So there's... It, but we tend to forget, the, we remember the chance that he missed against Oman. Exactly. He was offside. Yeah. And all those kind of things. Exactly. Yeah. And you don't forget about, you don't remember the good things that these guys have done over the years. So, and, you know, it's easy as a fan saying, oh, he shouldn't be playing, somebody else should be playing. But you forget about a lot of the hard work that these boys put in every single day in the training ground, which coaches see. And these guys might be in the gym working harder than somebody else. They might be working harder in training, scoring a lot of goals in training. So as a coach, that's why you give them the opportunity. It's not that you're just picking this guy because... Yeah. You've worked with him before. Anyway, striker is the most difficult position to play. Anyway. Absolutely. I mean, and it's don't forget it's even in the I League in those days. As an Indian striker, more often than not, you'd have done well at youth level and maybe in the CFL or other leagues, and you've come in as a striker. And then there's a foreign striker playing in your position, so you now have to adjust to playing wide mm-hmm. in a new role which you haven't played for majority of your career, and then when you are suddenly thrown into that position and you might miss a couple of chances because you've been playing out of position for a while or you haven't had as many opportunities as somebody else because you know it's a foreign striker who's brought in and doesn't have a good season and misses a little goals he's out next season somebody else comes in but as the Indian players you're there year year after year so you get criticism but it's it's slightly unfair because you're not given those as much opportunity as the others into playing those positions so there was something Ashley said. He was 23, I think, when he came to mm-hmm. BFC. And he said at 23, he's played maybe quarter of the games that a 23-year-old European striker has played. Absolutely. So game sensibilities also take some time to catch up. Yeah. And, and and that's for all Indian players. That's for players. all of them. And especially as a striker, Robin played even less. As I said, he joined as he was a left-back when he was mm. in initial days at uh, TFA. So it's the same with Udanta. He came in as... He used to play up front in a 4-4-2. With, uh, for TFA, that's where we signed him. We signed him when he was playing up front and he was very, very quick and used to take players on. And you come in and you can't play because whether it's a Sean Rooney or somebody else is playing in those positions. So you have to learn how to play out wide. Mm-hmm. And over the years, people, the criticism of Udanta was, oh, he doesn't cross very well. Mm-hmm. It's not what he's 
yeah. Castleton were doing and then when he improved upon that then the criticism was oh he's not he scoring well. so now he's improved upon that so you've got to give the guys a chance to to develop you're not going to get many young players who come in and then just hit the ground running and I think Daniel got a lot of criticism as well for not mm. being as prolific yeah. and towards the end of the season at Delhi he started to score, score a few goals. goals so it was nice to see him back on the score sheet so it's tough for Indian strikers whether it's Robin, Sunil, Parsi, any of these players. Very few of them get an opportunity like JJ where they're the yeah, only striker in the team and they're going to get a game. Yeah. Anyway, thank you so ah, much pleasure. for the time. Uh, it's nice meeting you again. Yeah. So, yeah. I hope uh, we see you soon something in, in football. Soon. Sure, I hope so. <laughs> and that was the two-parter and the end of our interview with Pradeem Reddy. We are hoping to do more of such audio podcasts uh, and help you out. And uh, in the meantime, just uh, let us know, did you enjoy the episode? What is there that we can change? If there are something, questions that you missed out, maybe we can do it next time with Pradyum or with somebody else. Anyway, uh, keep letting us know, keep uh, supporting us, subscribe in whatever channels that you can and uh, just enjoy the game in the meantime and uh, we'll see you soon.